1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host. Better late than never. Welcome. It's my favorite. Fucking uh, like an Anton Lander. I like, really like the backup car. Yeah! Let's go, baby! Bag milk. This is Ceasus. Baba Boo. Ceasus. Ceasus. Baba Boo. Baba Boo. Baba Boo. Baba Tyler
0: Yoremchuk is so fucking sexy. C-sus.
1: Yes, he is. He's actually my guest today. We're going to turn this down. Welcome to Better Late Than Ever. This is the year in review. Biggest Oilers stories of the year coming at you. I'm excited. I've got Tyler coming in as I was putting in the work on preparing today's podcast. I thought it was interesting to just kind of dig through what we were talking about over the last year of our lives. When it comes to the Edmonton Oilers, I also have got a list of ideas of the biggest Tyler and Bag Milk moments of the year. And no, I didn't include him canceling the B-Cast because guess what? The show goes on. Before we start off, I want to say thank you to our friends at The Audio Department for being the title sponsor all year on the podcast, and I'm pretty excited about them. Go check them out at theaudiodepartment.ca. If you want to record a podcast, theaudiodepartment.ca. If you are in a band and you want to record a mixtape, theaudiodepartment.ca. You can book your studio time right there. You can record where other big bands have recorded here in the city. Why would you want anything less than perfection? Before I welcome Tyler to the show, I just kind of want to give a layout to what's going on here today. I put together a bunch of stories from Oilers Nation, and I'm doing a top 10 list. I've got some bonus items in there. The way I put this together was I looked at our traffic from the past year, and in some cases, I had to aggregate a bunch of articles together. This took me way longer than I was expecting it to take, to be honest. I really didn't expect it to take this long, and that's why I'm kind of happy with myself that I was able to get something together as quickly as I did and just as, uh, I mean, in depth as I thought I could do it this way without forgetting anything, but at the same time, I know I missed stuff. So if you're listening to this, please let me know what I've missed on the podcast. Please let me know what I can do better when we do this next year. And I'm really, really looking forward to having Tyler on the show that we break it down. Um, Really quickly, just before we jump into that interview, I just wanted to say Merry Christmas to everybody. I know this isn't the normal format. I do have some voicemails that are probably just, I might do a voicemail only episode after this. I haven't really decided yet. We'll see how long I talk to Tyler for, but I just wanted to say thanks. And I hope you guys are having a great break wherever, wherever you're at right now, whether you're back at work or whether you're working from home or whether you're just enjoying this timeless week between Christmas and New Year's where nobody knows what day it is. Like, as an example, we have a Tuesday meeting every single week, 830 a.m. It's just kind of to get everybody on the same page. And this past Tuesday, three people showed up not knowing that the meeting was canceled, we're That's just kind of where we're at right now. Nobody knows what's going on ever at any point. So I hope you're having that same luxury wherever you're at, wherever you're listening to this. I hope you got to spend some time with some loved ones or avoid your family if you wanted to. I don't know what you're into. I'm just here talking to you. So I just wanted to say thanks again. I'm really excited to have Tyler on the podcast. I haven't had him on Better Late Than Ever in a little while. So we're going to talk to the walk through the last year. He and I make a ton of content together. We've been roommates. We travel together. So there's lots of just interesting times that we've spent over the last calendar year. I'm looking forward to walking through with him as soon as he gets here. But it sounds like he is in the waiting room. for Trilogy oil field rentals. Check the out at TrilogyRentals.ca. Of course, they are an established provider of oil-filled rental tools with full-time operating units in Provost, Weyburn, and Kindersley. I welcome my pal, Tyler Remchuk to the podcast. He's going to help me break down some of the biggest stories from the 2022 calendar year. Wahoo! Tyler, what you don't know is how I put this together. So this actually took more prep than I thought it was going to when I had the idea. So I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for it. Tyler, what I did for the last, oh, I don't know, 90 minutes was go through the analytics on withersnation.com. Find all of the top articles of the year. Now, Zach's doing a countdown on the website, but I went a step further. So like, say, as an example, there was two about Jesse Pugliarvi that kind of ranked in the top 10. I kind of smashed the numbers together. Mm. To make the ultimate list, so we're gonna go through these. Uh, we're gonna start at number ten with Tyler. We're just gonna break down some of the biggest Oilers moments of the year. I want to get Tyler's take. I want to just get some memories, and then Tyler, what you don't know is in between some of these top ten stories of the year. I'm gonna slip in what I think are four of the biggest bag milk and Tyler moments of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 2022 this is the countdown. The people won. 2022 is coming to a close, and I got my guy here with me. So we're going to start off at number 10, Tyler. Just first, the top 10 story of the year. Number 10, the trades. And when I say that, it's almost interesting because there really haven't been that many trades for the Edmonton Oilers this year. Off top of your head, you haven't seen this. How many do you think there have been this year for the Edmonton
0: Oilers? This calendar year for the Edmonton Oilers. You betcha. so that means like the last offseason deals aren't there. So you go right ahead to the deadline, right? Picking up Brett Kulak and Derek Brassard, whose impact just cannot be measured with any quantifiable data. Um, so you have those two, Kulak and Broussard. And then you go to the summer and the Cassian deal. And is that it? Is that just three?
1: You've got, you're missing two that are just major ones, as it turns out. Alex Staylock for future considerations. That um, happened exactly. in March. I don't know when we can cash in those future considerations, but I'm hoping for something soon here.
0: What other one am I missing? And I, I'm assuming it's a minor deal somewhere because no one else on the roster it? was a...
1: Is it a minor deal, Tyler?
0: Top six. Who's our boy these days? Oh, Clem Shady. Jesus. Yeah, Shady. Uh, that was a good... That was a, That might be the best one. Actually, no, Kulak is the best one, but Clem Shady, sure. se- close second.
1: So the first one was, that was back in March. It was Staylock for future considerations. Then it was Kulak for Montreal. That was at the deadline, like Tyler said. That was for a second round pick in 2022. Willie Legs and a seventh round pick in 2024. The trade that I still don't understand, even though we're discussing it in the year-end review, is the Derek Broussard for a fourth in 2023. My guy didn't play. No. He was there, I guess. Mm -hmm. We saw him in L.A. We did see him in L.A., he did not play. Interesting trade. Nevertheless, then we got Zach Cassian. That was for a first in 2022, which ended up turning into Reed Schaefer, a third in 2024 and a second in 2025. And then finally, right before the season started, Samarikov uh, to St. Louis for Kaleem Costin. When you look at those five trades, Tyler, over the last calendar year, what's your thoughts?
0: Um. Well, I mean, the Kulak one was great, not just the deal itself, because you gave up a second round pick. And I mean, whatever, a couple of assets that didn't matter in Legacy and a seventh rounder, but you basically gave up a second to get yourself... A guy that stabilized your blue line throughout the playoff run. He was the Tyson Berry whisper. He was great. And then you go and you sign him to the deal you have him for, like two point seven five million. It's like, damn, that was a really nice little couple pieces of GMing work by Ken Holland. The Costin one looks awesome, and I'll even say the Cassian one still looks awesome. I mean, it's Holland covering up for a mistake, sure, but that to me signaled that he's ready to go into all in mode. Right, you're sacrificing picks for cap space and you make sure those picks are two or three years down the line. So you have as much currency as these next two dead at these next two deadlines as you possibly need. So I honestly think Ken Holland won a lot of these deals
1: The we're, we're going to digress here for a second, just because we're talking about Zach Cassian. What did you think about the knee last night on Connor McDavid with Mackenzie Weger? The thing that bothered me about it is that And I wrote about it today at OilersNation.com. So if you're listening to this, go check that out. The thing that bothered me is that there wasn't so much as a, a glove in the face. There wasn't a slash to the ankle. There was zero response from the Edmonton Oilers.
0: And I just don't get it. Like, I mean, man, if that happened in one of my beer league games, someone would be getting a a glove to the face or something. Like, And if you're Yessa or Zach Hyman, like guys who are on the ice at that moment, how do you not sit there and be like, whoa, I'm going to do something about that. Like you don't touch Connor. And I think it just speaks to, Like, the Oilers don't have a culture problem, and I don't want to, like, have that clip flying around, but I do think that there's a little bit of, like, why aren't you sticking up for each other? Like, it raises eyebrows, and it brings up a big question of, like, why did no one want to go jump to the aid? Did they seriously just think in the moment, oh, that was a nothing hit, McConnor just fell down? Like, I, I just don't get it. I was mind blown that no one jumped in there.
1: Me too. I, I didn't get it at all. It kind of it flashed me back and I wrote it and I put it in the article as well. On November 25th, Robert Bortuzzo kind of got pushed into Andre Vasilevsky, the St. Louis Blues against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Every Lightning player on the ice jumped in the pile instantly. Didn't matter the context, point of the game, nothing. Star goalie gets hit, you're going down. I just, mm-hmm. I guess I don't understand that response, but that's not what we're doing here today. I just want to get Tyler's thoughts real quick. Uh, number nine, Tyler, on our countdown of the top 10 Euler stories of the year. It's just two words. Yes, a pulley RV. What we- do you make of it? What do you make a yes of this? It's so putting together this list. It was the rumors. It was the will he won't he be here. It was the what to expect from Jesse this season. It was all of that. And then some just wrapped into those two words.
0: Well, I mean, if you go back to where we would have been exactly one calendar year ago today, Cooley RV, he might have been hurt by now, but he was still at like 23 points in 30 games or something like that. Like Mm -hmm. he was humming along at quite the pace. And we were talking about like what kind of extension it would take and all of that. And then 2023, once the calendar year flipped, it was just nothing good happened for that guy. He was hurt. He was up and down the lineup. He wasn't scoring. He was fumbling chances. There was... Another trade request, if you want to call it that. The Oilers, once again, couldn't find the right price for him. There was talk about arbitration. Like, it's just no real positive storylines around Yesopoul Yarvi. But yet, he is still the player that's probably talked about the most on social media. I'm sick of it. There's a part of me that can't wait for the eventual trade because you know it's coming because it'll feel like, ah. Finally, like we don't need to keep talking about this guy and having the debates of like, why is he in the top six? And then, oh, why isn't he in the top six? Like, I don't know. I just there's a part of me that can't wait for this story to end. But I guarantee you, Bag Milk, when that trade comes in the year 2023, <laughs> that one is going to be in the top 10 for our uh, stories and our articles next year as well.
1: hundred percent It's just we've gotten to a point where. I just want something else to talk about and that I know that sounds like a really shitty thing to say for yeah. an asset who's a fourth overall pick and he's, uh, you know, supposed to be a big part of your attack on your organization. but um, It's just not working. And sometimes you need a, a change of venue and he just seems like a kid that really needs one.
0: Oh yeah. Like it's, there's still no confidence there. I, I think he's looked fine on the third line, but again, you, Can't be paying a third liner or all your third liners like three million bucks or whatever. So it's time to move on. He clearly doesn't work in the top six. He had another great look last night against Calgary that he couldn't finish off. So, yeah, it's time to move on. And I expect that will happen in the next year.
1: Today, we're recording on uh, December 28th. We're doing this countdown today. If you're to guess today, Tyler, and I I know you don't know the answer, but we're guessing what's your return for yes, Pooley
0: uh conditional third round pick in 2024 that turns into a second. If the team signs them.
1: I'll tell you on that. I just like that. I just like that. I actually had a darker thought in my head with that. It would be like, yes, a pull plus a second for a body of some kind.
0: Oh yeah. And I could see that too. I could see it being something or like, yes, a pull and a, th- third or fourth for Max Domi. And others are like, yeah, we need to get tougher. We need someone with some jam. We're, we're getting Domi and we're clearing out some money because the Hawks are keeping half of his contract.
1: Checking in with the first top Bag Milk and Tyler moment of the year, at least in my opinion, our trip to Toronto. We had never done a summer nation vacation before. I had never been to watch a Jays game live before. Mm. We went down to Toronto. There was a group of us in August. I just thought we had a great time together. No matter what was going on, we were betting on the games. We were betting on some soccer. We were just having piles of drinks. We ended up at a Hooters drinking red wine. Like the whole thing was great. What's uh, what was your takeaway from the trip to Toronto? Ah,
0: oh, so many good memories uh, between the two of us in Toronto. The Jays game, getting to see you experience your first live Blue Jays game was like was a fun. very it was a great moment for me and then also like the parts of the trip that maybe going there we weren't that excited for but ended up being unreal like going to the TFC game was sick walking around doing all that there was just a lot of uh, a lot of really really good times to 2000 percent
1: 2000 percent uh next up on the countdown back to the Oilers countdown top stories of the year this one um I- I'm surprised it didn't get up higher but Probably should have been. So I want to give a very special mention to just Ben Stelter and what he meant to the Oilers and the city. What we got to meet, we got a chance to meet him when we were down in Los Angeles for the first round of the playoffs. We saw how much the city embraced him throughout the playoff run. Um, Tyler, what did, what do you think when I just say the name Ben Stelter to you as we look back?
0: Oh, man. I mean, just just unreal. And you talked about the way the city embraced him. Like, I still remember that game. He was going out to be the Scotiabank skater. And it was Gregor who kind of sent out a tweet being like, hey, like, this is a really special Scotiabank skater tonight. Like, make sure you kind of throw your support behind him. And just the way the city latched onto him, it was, I, I think the best word to use for a bag of milk was like magical. Cause like a lot yeah. of times those moments when you see the standing ovations for you know people like that or, or at games it kind of comes and the moment's gone and for some reason like it just worked and the city loved him and Ben was just unbelievable and so courageous and always showing up and I think he embodied what a lot of Oilers fans are the reason why we love the team right and just because he loved the Oilers no matter what um, it was great. And getting to watch him do things with Connor and Leon and meet the team before playoff games and be there for a playoff game. And all of that stuff um, was just unreal. I think
1: back to just how much Le La Bomba baby is just kind oh. of become ingrained in the vernacular for Weathers fans. And it's just, it's going to go on for a really long time. And it's pretty amazing to see that that little guy meant so much to so many people. I think back, like you said to when he was the Scotiabank skater and there's that photo that kind of went viral a little bit of Connor bending down and talking to him. Yeah. And it just, that was the start of the relationship between those two. And that was just a really, really special moment as well. You could see you could see it even when Connor was talking about the Ben Stelter Fund, which just launched a couple of weeks ago when McDavid talked about pledging $100,000 towards it. So if you want to make a donation to the Ben Stelter Fund, you can go ahead. That is up at Stollery, on the Stollery website. And there'll be links there for you as well if you want to make a donation. Currently, they've got a goal set at a million dollars. And they are almost at sixty-eight thousand dollars as we're recording this. That does not um, include the donation from Connor and his team as well. Um, next up on the countdown at number seven, Tyler, the Duncan Keith trade, <laughs> and what? the tr- the trade wasn't in twenty twenty two, but the reactions once he left were what put him in this top 10 list. And that's why I think it's interesting. Duncan Keith played one season with the Edmonton Oilers. He recapped it, announced that he was retiring. That retirement announcement, full disclosure here, that got the most page views of any of this Duncan Keith stuff. Mm. Then there came articles, are the Oilers going to miss him? Are they going to miss the leadership from Duncan Keith? As we now have worked our way through 36 games, how do you look back on... Duncan Keith's time here and I guess what we're missing now that he's gone.
0: Duncan Keith's time here. Um, they do. I no, I'll, I'll answer in reverse. They miss him right now. I think they need that kind of leadership in the room. I think they need strong veteran voices still, which I can't believe we're saying, um, but they do miss Duncan Keith right now. And the only da- or thing you need to remember with that is if Duncan Keith didn't retire, you're probably not signing Evander Kane or you're letting some other piece walk, right? So you needed him to go or Brett Kulak's not back on that great deal. There's a bunch of things that probably or may not happen if, if Duncan Keith comes back at that $5 million cap pit. So they do miss him right now, but I mean, it's, it's more on, in my opinion, Ken Holland that we're looking at the blue line being broken, not on just Duncan Keith being gone. He was a really good player for them in the last year. And I, he, he blew my expectations, not quite out of the water, but he exceeded them. And he was an important part of that playoff run. We'll always remember that. It was a good player for Ken Holland to bring in, but I will go to my grave saying he got, I don't even know the right way to say it, but that wasn't a good trade. The, yep. Getting the player was good, but the move was not good. That should have been at 50% retained. You shouldn't have had to give up anything or it should have been straight up Caleb Jones. Right? Like I just still feel like Ken Holland didn't make a great, Trade there, but he got a player that was important. So it's really hard to be overly critical of it.
1: That's where I'm at, too. Like, I think of it now after we had the season of Keith, we did the playoff run. They miss him undoubtedly. Yeah. If the Oilers had him as their third pairing left D man this year, I think they're in a better spot. Than having Nima Line and Broberg, Ryan Murray trying to figure out who's gonna yep. fit in that place. I think they miss him. I I personally miss the way he was sneaky dirty. Oh yeah. He would be in front of the net and he's hacking away at you. He's there, I guarantee he was saying stuff into the in the dressing room that the players needed. So it's interesting to look back. I I don't like the trade either. Didn't retain a cent. Not one red penny. We didn't get the we didn't get the CBA credit either. So there's a lot there. That's that also just, bullshit. Hundred percent, that's bullshit, and that was part of why this story was bumped in there when the news came out that he's retiring, but they're not getting that cap credit. So that'd be really nice to have right now, Tyler. If we had three million bucks to spend, that just came from Duncan Keith saying, "You know what? I'm ready to shut it down. I've had a I've had a long and successful career. That would have been really, really nice." Yep
0: yeah, it's uh, it's a darn shame, but and it, it's wild that the, that's exactly what they're looking for. They're looking for a Duncan Keith clone between now and the deadline or something close to it.
1: Number three on the countdown of the Top Bag Milk and Tyler moments, at least in my opinion, rooming together in Jasper for the Pond Hockey Tournament. Oh, no. We're going back again in January, or in January of 2023. I'm super excited about it. I don't remember. I think that was the first time we had been roommates, wasn't it?
0: Ah, uh, yes, it would have been. And if you didn't know, we
1: introduced Tyler to a couple of new food items that his body absorbed and ingested perfectly, seamlessly, no problems at all. A little red wine, a couple of muscles. But ultimately, I just think we just had a really good time in Jasper. Our room, if you looked oh. at it when we walked in, there was flats of nation beer laying around. There was our hockey equipment scattered everywhere. It looked like two teenagers lived there, but we just had a great time.
0: I uh I had a great memory on my Snapchat bagged milk. Here it is. Since there's no video, it's me and you shotgunning twisted teas in our hotel bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> like all dressed up, ready to go down to the rink. Oh, it was good. I, I watched it the other day and it gave me a good drag. Oh, and this one of cone milk.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes if I find a traffic cone, I uh I'm a big fan. Uh, neighbors neighbors not. So one's
0: much at three. I feel like that almost could have been higher, but that was a great memory.
1: It was a great memory. We had a good time. Can't wait to do it again. It's going to be a little bit different, though, this year, I think, because the missus are coming down. But And um, Frank's coming. And Frank's coming. My dog, of course, not Sarah Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we're going to have a great time no matter what happens in Jasper, but I just thought it was fun. The first time we were ever roommates last January in Jasper. Um, this one was an interesting one to find on the list of the most talked about moments of the year, and I'm curious to get your reaction here. Coming in at... Number six, after putting up 44 goals and 79 assists for 123 points in 2021 22, Connor McDavid strikes out at the NHL awards.
0: Oh, yeah, that is uh, well, I'll tell you one thing that this is not going to be a story next year because he might damn well sweep the NHL awards, he yes, might go. He might. Our- Art Ross, Rocket Richard, and Hart Trophy all in one foul swoop. And maybe there's a little bit more hardware in there for 97, wink, wink. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. It it was voter fatigue. Like, I think everyone sees that. And that combined with... You know, Austin Matthews did do something that's fairly historic. Not a lot of players can score 60 goals, and it hadn't been done in a while. So I understand why McDavid didn't win the heart. I wasn't too broken up about it or anything. And the same thing with the Lindsay, right? Like, it's yeah, okay, the players all watched Matthews score 60 goals. They wanted to give him his acknowledgement. Like, there is a part of it, as dumb as it is, that's like, I don't know, you can't just vote Connor every year. Like, I kind of see why (laughs) they mix it up whenever you have, like, a somewhat decent case for another player to get it.
1: There was a decent case for Austin Matthews. Yeah, day. like you said, he put, he put in sixty. That's not easy to do, though. It looks like Connor's going to do that himself this year. Almost. Do you think there is any part? And again, he would never admit it ever in a million years. Do you think we're getting grudge, McDavid, right now?
0: I think we are a little. I think he kind of sat there and saw everyone and was like, "Oh, Matthews, Matthews. Like, is he close to McDavid? McDavid couldn't score sixty, and I bet you Connor sits there and is like, Let's fucking watch,
1: <laughs> like, just I'll just watch this. me.' <laughs> yeah, just watch me." Coming in at number five, we are making our way halfway through the countdown, and this one I just got one word, Tyler. It's just rumors. And in that list of some of the most read rumors articles on the website, Tyler writes a lot of these himself. Be it just in his rumors column or from others' nation every day. We started off the year with a Vander Kane that kind of took over the first month and a half of twenty twenty two. Will he sign here? Won't he sign here? Oh, there's their last on the list? We were all arguing about it. Is Evander Kane the player that they should bring in? Of course, we've talked about, yes, Poliarvi a bunch of times already. Andre Kuzmenko was oh. also ranked very highly up there. And that's a player right now that wouldn't you kind of love to have him somewhere on the depth chart?
0: Man, he's scoring a ton in Vancouver and he's playing with Pedersen. He's clicking. Like he's having a great season and he's league minimum. Damn it.
1: A couple of players from Chicago also made this list of rumors. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves. Uh, I, the more we go through here, the more we kind of move forward, the more I'm warming to the idea of Jonathan Taves.
0: Yeah, me too. That's kind of been my guy for the last little bit. I think he's going to cost you less than Patrick Kane in terms of the assets. And I think he gives you more of what you need in terms of someone who could maybe play on the third line and just give you good minutes, help you out in the D zone, all that stuff. I like Taves. Also
1: on the list, uh, and kind of still circling a little bit, John Klingberg, Tyler.
0: Yeah, that was weird, right? Because there was even that crazy rumor that they were talking to the Habs about like, okay, the Habs are going to sign Klingberg and then they're going to like keep half And the Oilers are going to trade them a first round pick. And that's how the Oilers are going to get Klingberg for cheaper while he still gets paid. And the Habs basically would be like, yeah, we'll pay you $3.5 million for your first round pick. There was like that weird thing floating around. There was talk about, you know, maybe the Oilers are just going to straight up flip Tyson Berry to the Habs and then use the savings to sign John Klingberg. Like there was a lot around the Klingberg thing. He goes to Anaheim, one year deal. His no trade clause is actually about to end in the next like three or four days here as well. Um, The Oilers apparently still have interest. I don't think he's a perfect fit for them, um, but it's something we'll hear his name a lot in the next six to eight weeks.
1: I I guess this one I just don't really understand, given who they have already on that right side, like Tyson Berry scored his hundredth NHL goal last night. I saw again, I can't shake this tweet that I saw and I can't remember who did it, but it just said John Klingberg is basically tall Tyson Berry. What are we doing here?
0: And he's more expensive and he's going to cost you an asset. So again, if the Ducks are going around being like, we want a first round pick for Klingberg. And if you're the Oilers and you're like, okay, if you view him as tall Tyson Berry, and it's like, maybe we don't need tall Tyson Berry playing his offside on our blue line. Maybe we use that first round pick and we go get Jonathan Taves with it, right? And make sure that the money all works. And then maybe you just go get, I don't know who it is on the left side. Go get Luke Shen. Play him on his offside. He's physical. He's mean. He's league minimum. He'll cost you like a third or a fourth, right? Like, I think there's better ways to spend your assets than a first for John Klingberg.
1: This one I didn't really remember. Do you remember? But we had an article up about it earlier in the year that got a lot of traffic that the Oilers were potentially linked in the offseason to Dominic Kubelik. I don't remember that at all.
0: No, this I remember that. Um, the Hawks weren't going to qualify him. And there was a rumor going around at the time, someone from the Czech Republic or from Czechia wrote a column being like, Dominic Kubelik is not going to be qualified by the Blackhawks. And one team with a lot of interest in him is the Edmonton Oilers. And then there was like, oh, well, if the Hawks don't want to qualify Kubalik, maybe the Oilers don't want to qualify Pugliarvi. Maybe that was the swap. And there was a spicy rumor of like, would you just straight up swap Kubelik for Puliarvi? qualify them both and you're good. Um, Kubelik is just like Kuzmenko having a hell of a year bag milk. He's probably going to hit like the 50 point mark. So, yeah.
1: Any other rumors that kind of stick out to you? Like I was looking through again, I went through about 100, 150 articles to kind of put this list together for us today. And it was just, it was interesting that there were just, the others for a period there in the off season were tied to so many people that I didn't feel like mashing them all in together. But is there anybody outside of maybe say like the, the Max Domi flip you talked about that, I guess they're tied to
0: again. Um, yeah. That
1: kind of sticks out to you?
0: Just going back to like I'm thinking around draft and free agency, Um, the one that felt like it was going to happen and didn't was Connor Brown out in Washington. Right. Yeah. Where he eventually went to Washington because Bob McKenzie tweeted the Oilers are expected to have to land Connor Brown. And it was like, OK, this is happening. And then there was like never a follow up report from anyone. It was just like, oh, actually, he signed in Washington now. So or he's got traded to Washington and that's that. Um, he is a guy who's a UFA at the end of the year, though, and he's going to not play for this entire year because he got hurt early on. So um, I remember that Connor Brown one was a pretty spicy one. Worst of I'm all, it,
1: to... worst of all, it ruined Liam's meme.
0: Yeah, ruined Liam's meme as well because he had the five f- uh, former Maple Leafs. Yep. Uh, what else? Well, who was there around the deadline last year? I'm trying to think like they were rumored in the Kulak thing and they went and they got, they got him. him. Yep. And I don't think there was really much else we were expecting from them.
1: Back to the Tyler and Bag Milk Countdown. Coming in at number two, Tyler, our trip to
0: LA. That came together very last minute, obviously. Um...
1: Well, let's talk about that because it was very interesting. We were recording an episode of Real Life, if I recall correctly. And then we were just in the studio, you, Jay, and myself. And then after we recorded, Jay kind of just said to us, hey, if we got a trip together to L.A., would you two be interested in coming? And we went, huh? (laughs) Like, don't the playoffs start in like eight or nine days?
0: Yeah, like, oh, like we need to like leave in a week. And it was like, yeah, um, we'd be going for games three and four. And man, the amount of stuff that came with that, like I forgot about you getting hit in the head with the beer until like a week ago when you brought it up again. And like that was bananas, all of it. Um, So if you hadn't
1: heard that story, We were down there for games three and four. Game three was when the Oilers lit the Kings up. It was like 8-2 or Mm 6-2 or something. I don't exactly remember what the score was. But Tyler and I were hammered. And (laughs) well, Jay was too. So I'm not leaving him out of this. We were hammered. We were drinking those giant liter colas. I had never had them before. (laughs) Originally, I went up to the guy. I was going to buy us drinks, and I asked for six. And Tyler went, whoa, 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 do not get six. And I was like, what what do you mean? And then I realized that my eyes are bigger than my brain. Or my (laughs) just wasn't computing how large they are. So anyway, glad that didn't happen. So when the Oilers would score, Tyler and I started having fun because we were sitting right down by the glass. Turning around and pointing at Oilers fans in different sections. And like getting their acknowledgement. And as more goals went in, the more fun we started having. And it was probably after goal five or six where I turn around to sit down and I take a beer right in the back of the melon, a full beer. Amazingly, I was not the one that got the worst of it. It was the poor old lady behind me that got the worst of it. So we spent the entire rest of the period kind of apologizing. That is also the same game where I did arguably the worst hat trick toss of all time.
0: (laughs) It's like a (laughs) nanosecond. It was off your head and like spiked two rows in front of us.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was not a good one. So the trip to L.A., Tyler, that comes in at number two of our best moments. Also. Very first MLB game for me ever that turned into the Otani boys situation, which was just a train wreck in itself. Oh, Tyler, Jay, God. and I all ended up with Otani jerseys. Jay's is a little fancier than ours, yet the price tag is the exact same. And it was our Ocean's Eleven moment.
0: That was wild. Um, Our day at the beach was a lot of fun. I got to watch the waves crash into the rocks, which I loved.
1: Yes, you did. Uh,
0: we had street beers, which was cool. A little um, brosé. Yeah, and then on the way home from that baseball game, we just got in like one of those big-ass Ubers and ran to the gas station and just had like... <laughs> boxes of drinks in the back because it's such a long drive. Oh, that trip was unbelievable.
1: It was so much fun. It was great. And then despite the loss in game four, we ended up in a luxury suite at Crypto.com Arena. We just had the best time. It was also fun watching Tyler and Jay do the uh, the pregame show down in LA, even though we had no ability to film anywhere near the arena. So there was a very nice lady working on the grounds at LA Live that just kind of kicked us right to the corner along the main street. Yeah. So as I was filming them do their thing, there's cars buzzing around. And I just thought that was very funny. Amazing trip to Los Angeles with the boys. Tyler coming in at number four on our top 10 stories of the year countdown for the Edmonton Oilers. Why are you so pissy? Oh, God. I mean, of course, the exchange between Leon Draisaitl and Jim Matheson after what was a horrid stretch of hockey by the Edmonton Oilers—they were really, if you like, you got to remember, people. Think back to last season. There was a stretch where it was just shit hockey from the Oilers for two months, probably
0: two and a half months. They're the worst team in the league from December till the end of January, more or less.
1: Basically, awful in every facet. We knew why Drysaddle was pissy. I love that Jim asked him anyway. That turned into us selling a shitloads of uh, we are all pissy tees. Tyler, just what do you remember from that exchange?
0: I mean, only Jim would do that as well. Like (laughs) it was just so good. And I mean, we I think we needed it as a fan base because it became for a for a bit like kind of a rallying point for the Oilers. Like, um, yeah, I, I think that was it. The shirts were awesome. I still have mine. That's a great memory. But it just showed how high the tensions were. And when you were to, if you were to plop yourself into that moment where it's like, okay, the players are now fighting with the media. This team doesn't look like it can make the playoffs. If you were to tell us in that moment, they're going to go all the way to the Western Conference finals, like you wouldn't have believed it. It just seemed so far from reality that that team in its current state was going to be able to pull it together. And they did.
1: Never in a million years. At that point, when we were putting together the we are all pissy tea. Did I expect we were going to go to the Western Conference finals? Yeah. They just... No chance. No chance. Uh, coming in at number three on the countdown, this just drew massive amounts of traffic. Massive amounts of traffic, Tyler. Dave Tippett fired, replaced with Jay Woodcroft. Arguably the start of what was a magical run for the Oilers to the Western Conference Finals was when Jay Woodcroft replaced Dave Tippett behind the bench. New voice, we heard players like Derek Ryan talking about how it was nice to be involved again. Uh, What do you remember from that coaching spot?
0: So I I was in LA to cover the All-Star Game for daily face-off. And then I decided to extend my trip a little bit. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go to Phoenix for a week. And girlfriend flew down, met me there. We were staying in this little Airbnb. And I remember waking up Looking at my phone, I just happened to wake up. It was like I think it was like six forty-five in the morning Pacific time. I looked at my phone. I was like, "Holy shit!" They just fired Dave Tippett, and I'm like in Arizona right now with terrible Wi-Fi. So I like jumped out of bed, pulled out the laptop, immediately started working, started recording videos, all this stuff. And the internet was so shitty that I had to take my laptop after I recorded everything and run to a star Starbucks like two blocks away so I could upload everything faster. Um, but I remember. And I talked about this. We, or me and you talked about this on Oilers Nation radio the other day. If you remember that stretch of hockey, it was really bad, obviously, from like mm-hmm. middle of December onwards. And then in January, they lost 6 4 at home to the Ottawa Senators. And at that point, it was their fourth, fifth, sixth loss in a row. 6-4 at home to the Senators to lose your sixth game in a row, and they had four days off after that. And I remember when they lost the game to Ottawa, I was like, I'm waking up tomorrow, and there is a coaching change. There is no freaking way he makes it all the way to that next Florida game. And Tippett somehow did, and then they got blown out by Florida, 6 nothing at home. And it was like, oh my God, well, you didn't do it last week, you got to do it now, and they didn't. And then the team went in, rattled off like five wins in their next six games. They went four zero and one or something like that. And it was like, okay, they got it back on the rails. The season is saved. You got some easy points in the schedule coming up. And then it was the back-to-back losses at home to Vegas and Chicago, which ended up doing in Dave Tippett. But I remember being surprised, again, that they pulled the trigger after they had just had kind of like five good games and it felt like they were building in the right direction. And I remember also being Kind of equally surprised that they went with Ro- Woodcroft because we are clamoring for that. Like, yep. I think a lot of the people on Twitter and and the community who follow our podcast and stuff, we it was like, yeah, man, you need to bring up the next guy in Woodcroft. Don't go to the recycle bin and pull out like a
1: because f- if you remember Tyler, there was a there was some talk at the time like maybe. Mike Babcock is a guy that comes in to replace yeah. Dave Tippett if they need to make a coaching change. Obviously, it's just tied to Ken Holland in there. We were all going, no, please not Mike Babcock. We need something different. And that's where Jay Woodcroft came in. He was so positive, did yeah. not throw a single person under the bus. Woody had the poses all the time. He had the stances at the at the when he was doing his pressers. There was just a lot to like about him. And there was. It's amazing to see what he did with that team in on an interim basis and ultimately get rewarded with a three-year deal.
0: And the best Woodcroft moment of all is when they beat Calgary and he's standing there waiting for Sutter. And like the rivalry was legit, I think. And, you know, Woodcroft just had that smirk going. And yeah, that was great.
1: Not only did he stand there and wait for Sutter, it was a full 10 seconds that he was standing there. He just stood there and waited. Flames were sadly skating past him. It was, it was amazing. I loved it. Loved it so much. Number one on the top bag milk and Tyler moments from 2022. Tyler, the kiss.
0: Ah, oh, yeah. Okay. I knew it was coming here.
1: <laughs> one uh, night, it was very romantic. We were in Los Angeles, probably 15 cocktails deep at that point, two in the morning.
0: The Oilers had just one.
1: Sometimes you're at a smash burger and the mood strikes. And I planted one on him because there was context. A little before that. <laughs> Jay took us. Jay took the entire company to the Canucks game, the very last game of the regular season, and that was supposed to be like our our Christmas party. Because we missed it, actually, at Christmas that night, we were celebrating. We were all drinking cocktails. Tyler kept turning around to kiss me, and I did not kiss him at Roger's place that night. Mm. So then he started calling me out on podcasting that I wasn't going to do it, and then LA, I finally planted one on him. What we didn't know at the time, though, is that Jay was taking photos of the whole thing. So there are photos of this. We did show Lisa Evans from Play 104 or Play 107. Why did I say 104? Play 107. And she was just really unimpressed, even though I thought it was incredibly uh, sultry and romantic.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. uh, She said that wasn't as hot as I was expecting it to be. And the photo is not an attractive look for either of us, but it does exist. (laughs) And that was a beautiful moment and it only brought us closer together.
1: It really did. So there you go. There's your number one bag milk and Tyler moment of the year. Anything else stick out for you and I from this last year, pal?
0: What else sticks out? Um, Nothing like that crazy that we can actually talk about on the pod, Um, but we're going to have some good memories being made like early in 2023 with Vegas and then another trip to Jasper. So um, no, I think that was a pretty good top four. I don't think you, uh, I don't think you really missed anything.
1: Of course we do. I mean, it's a not a top moment. We just do together. a ton of things together on a weekly basis, whether it's podcasts like I loop you in on this one or uh, you loop me in on Weather's Nation every day. Yeah. It's just fun. We just have fun together. And even uh, in the
0: even in the stuff people don't see, like our behind the scenes when we're in meetings and stuff, we're always being little rascals.
1: Yeah, the shenanigans always going on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Getting back to the Oilers though, Tyler. We're working through our top 10 list, top 10 stories of the year based on traffic at Oilers Nation. Some of these are kind of in aggregate. Some of these are standalones. This one I actually thought was going to be number one, and it's recent. And you were involved in it because you were sitting there listening to the conversation. Former Edmonton Oilers goaltender, Devin Dubnik, (laughs) called Nail Yakupov an idiot on the DFO rundown with Jason Greger and Frank Saravalli. You instantly texted me. Oh, man, Dubnik just called Yakupov an idiot. We had it turned around on the site very, very quickly with video and quotes. That article has now gone on to be one of the biggest articles in website history. What do you remember as just as you guys were recording that podcast and just as you were listening to the story and then as the quote turned into what it was?
0: Yeah, so it was on the DFO rundown with Jason Greger and Frank Saravali, which I produce every Monday and Friday. And every Monday we have a guest on the show and we wake up, it's like, I wake up 6.45 Mountain Time interview. usually starts at seven. So I'm usually tired and like half listening to the show for the most part. Um, But again, that question, Gregor asked it. I was like, he'll probably just brush this off and be like, oh, no one really stands out too much. And then maybe he'll share a funny story. But the way he just jumped immediately and was like, oh, Yakupov, like that answer was right there for him. (laughs) He didn't have to think about it for more than half a second. And right when he like, it's one of those things where sometimes you hear it and it's like, oh, that's gold. Like, that's going to slap. People are going to go nuts for this. And I immediately texted you, immediately texted our Big Oilers Nation group chat. And I was like, this file will be uploaded within the hour. We need to get it everywhere because Dubik just called Yakupov an idiot and then doubled down right after and was like a complete idiot. He never figured it out. He's not even playing anymore. And it's like, wow, that was unbelievable. A great piece of content.
1: So from uh, from the DFO rundown, Here's the act- Here's the full quote from Devin Dubnik, and it's just funnier as I read it again. He was asked about the worst teammate he had for having high heaters in practice. Without even skipping a beat, Dubnik named Nail Yakupov. And I quote, Dubnik says, oh, Nail Yakupov, this guy was an idiot, a complete idiot. I tried to explain to him, we were doing... Uh, Low down from the corner, and he's zipping these things past my ear because he's trying to hit the elbow. And I tried to explain to him, You realize there's three outcomes here you miss the net, you score, or you hit me in the ear. And I hate all three of those. If you want to practice this shot, go do it at the other end. Gregor replies, Did he ever get it? Dubnik says, Obviously not. He's nowhere to be found. So I don't think he hit the elbow too often. And that, dear friends, is the top most viewed article in Oilers Nation history. So, Tyler, we've got one left on the countdown. And again, this one is an aggregate of articles from the past year. Do you have an idea? Do you have a guess on what the number one most talked about or viewed moment was on com in 2022? It's
0: got to be just the Battle of Alberta, right? It's not. Hmm.
1: The Battle of Alberta, if we're going to do, I actually have a couple of little bonus items on the list. So yeah, the yeah. the Battle of Alberta actually came in 11th. Oh, wow. And that is an aggregate of all of the playoff articles, the hype leading into the second round of the playoffs. Really? Uh, yep. Wow, so that was in at number 11.
0: I mean, I guess there was just so much. Um, the number one moment. Is it the Jack Campbell signing? No.
1: He is number 12, and I have that listed as the goaltending because, as you know...
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: The goaltending we had over the last calendar year, we had Mike Smith, we had Miko Koskinen, we had uh, the Jack Campbell signing, we had the emergence of Stuart Skinner. He got his first-ever NHL shutout on Valentine's Day against the San Jose Sharks. That lands in at number 12.
0: I You included Evander Kane in rumors?
1: It is Evander Kane.
0: It is, Okay.
1: Evander Kane was the top story on OilersNation.com in 2022, and it's not particularly close. Wow. It started off with the rumors after he and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tyler, because I'm trying to remember back. He and the San Jose Sharks, they parted ways. The Sharks just basically said, nah, you're done here. Your contract is now void.
0: Yeah, basically, he broke COVID protocol like twice, and the Sharks said, that's grounds for us to terminate your contract. And they did that, and he had to serve a suspension, and then he was a free agent or something like that. Oh, uh, so, no, there was no suspension. Um, but he he was a free agent, yeah.
1: And from the beginning, Edmonton started to become a destination for Evander Kane, even though none of us really kind of thought it was possible. We are like, this guy's played in San Jose. You know, this isn't the kind of place he's going to land in. Though, when I look at the articles, so it starts about the first one is just Kane rumored to be a, or the Oilers rumored to be a landing spot for Vander Kane. That one just popped. You look in the comments from that that day, a lot of people were in favor, a lot of people were supporting it. Then that goes into the grievance that was filed, then it goes into there was articles from myself, from Brownlee, from Gregor, from basically everybody saying, is this the guy that we should bring in? We well, know we, and- we've heard the off-ice stories. Is this a fit here?
0: The off-ice stories are one thing, and there's a lot of them that are really ugly. Like, he does not have a reputation of being a good guy in a locker room, out of a locker room, in day-to-day life, all that stuff. And I think that led to a lot of us, again, at the moment when the Oilers were as fragile as they were, it was like, okay, is this really the guy you want to bring in to a locker room that we have the we're all pissy thing going on? They're clearly a broken team. Like, why is this guy, he could be just a Fi- an unnecessary firework in there that makes things worse. And I, and I think all the criticism at the time was warranted. And I was one of the people who said, don't bother. I was yep, like, this guy, too. I was like, you're not going to win a Stanley cup just because of Vander Kane. The off ice issues are going to alienate parts of your fan base. And he's not good in the room. And you know, I'm fully willing to eat crow because he came here, scored at a 40 goal pace, played at a goal per game in the playoffs. And then the Oilers got him to what appears to be a bargain bin contract. And from what we've heard, he's kept his act together around the team. It hasn't been any major issues, at least. Contributing to the community now. And he's been a leader in the community. And yeah, like it's worked out better than I think anyone could have expected. And you watch a game like last night against Calgary and it's like, Son of a bitch, they miss Evander Kane in the lineup right now. So I was against it at the time. I'm fully willing to admit I was wrong because he was a catalyst for that team. A big reason they turned their season around. A big reason they went to the Western Conference Finals.
1: I'm I'm with you. I was 2,000% wrong on how this would go. I thought he was, at best, going to come in, finish up that one-year deal, in and out, made sense. You play with McDavid, you go ahead and you get... An opportunity with another team. That's what I thought he was doing here on that one year deal. One of the articles that kind of came that lifted this one with a lot of traffic was leading into free agency. If you remember, Tyler, where Ken Holland allowed Kane and his agent to explore all avenues with every other team leading up to the free agency launch date. Well, shortly mm -hmm. thereafter, he came right around and signed for a deal just over five million bucks. Nobody expected Evander Kane. We were talking about on Oilers Nation radio. I was looking back through some of our articles or some of the show notes that we did in that time, and we were like, well, this guy's going to go get seven. He's going to get eight based on how he played last year.
0: There was talk he wanted $49 million on a long-term deal, and I think a lot of other teams looked at Evander Kane the same way we did before he got here, and they had the added layer of, okay, he did it with Connor McDavid, but is Evander Kane going to be able to do that and keep his act together with us? And a lot of teams that "No, we're not spending the f- five plus million bucks on that guy. Cause we don't want his baggage and we don't think he can be a 40 goal scorer in our lineup. Kane and his camp. Well, as they should have, they were like, "Oh, we're going to, we think we can get paid. And I think Ken Holland played this perfectly. You sit there before free agency and you go, Hey, listen, we're not going to let this bleed into the next two weeks and have us possibly miss out on more free agents and all that. Here's my best offer. You go talk to the 31 other GMs. If any of them beat it, pleasure doing business. If not, you have till tonight to sign this offer. And that is exactly how it played out. Another piece of just great GM work from Ken Holland.
1: Ken Holland is number 14 on just like the, you know, the extras that I want to ask you about. Uh, And I just have Ken Holland in there because there was a lot of what is he doing? But then I also kind of mashed up a bunch of the trades that he executed and the signings that he executed, and like you said, the Kane one is really solid. All of a sudden, the Zach Hyman one, yeah, it's long, but it's looking really solid. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, my boy's having a hell of a year. That extension looking really nice right now. Again, it's long. So when you look at Ken Holland, kind of the year that was, he only made five trades in this calendar year, but kind of what what do you make of, of the highest paid GM in the National Hockey League?
0: Yeah, so five trades over the course of the year. The Staylock one will count as inconsequential, so it's really only four at that point. The Cassian one, he was covering up for a mistake, but it was a good deal, so, you know, that one's fine. Kulak deal, great. Brassard deal, you add depth at the deadline, and I think you should give up your fourth-round pick for an extra bottom six player every year, even if they don't end up playing for you. It's smart to bring in more bodies like that because it's more of like a in-case-you-need-them kind of thing, so that was fine, too. The free agent signings, you know, Great deal with Kane. He's done great on Hyman, great on Nuge, like you said. The Campbell one is the one that we're going to look at and kind of go like, okay, like that's that's a pretty big pickup if it stays a hiccup, you know? Like if Campbell doesn't turn it around and it's five years of this guy just being brutal for the Oilers, then that's a bad one for Holland. But I do kind of think, and I'm guilty of it too, there are a lot of people who, the, a lot of fans live in fear of Ken Holland's next move. They're like, what is he going to do? What is the crazy old GM going to do? What bad move? Who's he going to give up? And then you look back and it's like, oh, well, nothing he's actually done has been that bad. In fact, his home runs far outweigh his strikeouts. So what are we complaining about here? Everyone's like, oh, I see it in my mentions when I talk about, you know, adding a DM. Oh, You really think Ken Holland's going to have the ability to go out and get a big a move for a defenseman? It's like, yeah, man, he did it last year for Brett Kulak. Like, he literally did it less than 12 months ago. We think Ken Holland's going to go out and give this team solid depth. Yeah, man, he went out and signed Evander Kane last year when it wasn't a popular thing to do. Like, he went out and signed Zach Hyman off the free agent pile. Like, Went and got clean cost in this year. Effective bottom six guy. Matthias Janmark's looking like a good signing. Like, he does make good moves. And sometimes it feels like there's people in this fan base who are so scared to admit when they're wrong that mm-hmm. they just keep peddling this whole, like, well, Ken Holland can't get the job done. What do you think? And it's like, nah, like, he built a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year. And you may not have liked it, but a dirt cheap Mike Smith was a big reason why they did it. And a veteran Duncan Keith that he may be paid a lot to get was a big reason why the Oilers did it. And the Evander Kane signing you hated and I hated was a big reason why they did it. So people hate giving him credit. I don't get it, but it's just people who are afraid to sit there and be like, oh yeah, I'm wrong. I was wrong on that. And the GM was actually right on that.
1: That's where I'm at too. It's like, like we talked about earlier Evander Kane. I was against it. I didn't like the idea at all. I wrote about it. I probably wrote two, three, four thousand 4,000 words about that very topic. But ultimately, man, I was wrong. That guy was huge for the Oilers, not just down the stretch. And now that we don't have him in the lineup, it's like you mentioned last night. If Evander Kane was healthy last night against the Calgary Flames, yeah, you know for a fact, a 1,000% certainty that once the Uyghur knee happened, he was going to have a very hard time dealing with Evander Kane soon after, and Kane was not going to take no for an answer. The Oilers are missing that swagger right now in a big way. A big, big way. Uh, just looking at the, uh, this one came into my bonus list, Tyler. Just, I was surprised it came in this low, um, generally speaking, but I, I get it to an extent, I guess. The playoff run. When you think back back to the playoff run, um, be it LA or Calgary or the sweep against Colorado, kind of what stands out to you from that just kind of two months of just, or I guess six weeks of just pure fun. We just had the best time.
0: Here's a bag milk. Tyler moment was, uh, Game seven against L.A. I mean, we weren't sitting together. You were sitting with my girlfriend. Yes, um, I was. <laughs> but that was just a great <laughs> night. And in all the playoff memories we have, that is one where it's like, man, Connor scoring that goal when he did the Mike Smith shutout, the Connor McDavid hit on Sean Dursey. Game seven against L.A. was unreal. And so was game six in L.A. Remember, that game was tied late. And yep. I just had that sinking feeling. we were facing elimination. And it was like, boy. Like this is how it ends. Hey, all this hype and they lose in six and Tyson Barry of all people fires at home. And we were running around beercade, hugging each other, going yep. nuts. Like, oh, the the amount of memories, the amount of people I met at those watch parties, we did everything. It was just that playoff run was the best. And I really, really hope we get another one.
1: That uh, game six, we were all we were at beercade, like Tyler said. And there's a hilarious video that Kennedy got of Tyler and I, where Kane goes to put it in the empty net and we both go running 15 feet towards the screen fist pumping at the screen together and nobody else could see shit, but it didn't matter.
0: Ah, And that was when Kane flashed up the seven. I remember everyone was like, Oh yeah, he's bragging about how many goals he has in the playoffs. How dumb. And I was like, you know, nothing. Do you, are you unable to like understand context?
1: Yeah. Like, and I would have bet at that time he didn't even, wasn't even aware (laughs) he had seven goals either. Like, no, they were going to game seven. Love that picture.
0: That was like, unreal.
1: I the Others missed that swagger in a huge, huge way. Yeah. Huge, huge way. Um, Tyler, as we wrap up the countdown for 2022, let's look ahead at 2023 really quickly. The Others have 46 games left on the schedule. They are currently in a wild card spot after last night's regulation win against the Flames. Shout out to Stuart Skinner, by the way. Although just uh, again. I know a lot of people were really upset with the shots on goal last night, and I totally get it. The others were outshot by more than a two to one margin, but don't you think Calgary fires shots from like the perimeter at a staggering volume?
0: Yeah. I was watching the game with a buddy last night and when they got like their, it was, they were at their 35th shot at some point in the third period. And I was like, This shot clock is not accurately represent the game. The game was a slog fest. Like it wasn't that great of a hockey game and the flames threw everything on net Skinner had so many easy saves. So yeah, um, Calgary did not impress me all that much last night.
1: What, uh, let's look ahead, look ahead at 2023. What do we need to get done here in the last 46 games? What do you just hope for, for the Oilers team as we head into a new calendar year?
0: I will give you a prediction for five storylines we're talking about when we do this show again next year. Let's do it. Okay. So one that I think will happen. I'm pretty confident in this one. Oilers send four to the NHL all-star game, Connor Leon, Nugent, Stuart Skinner. all Ooh. go to the NHL all-star game. Love that. Um, I'll give you Oilers trade first round pick at the deadline.
1: That would be a big move, especially around here, because, I mean, Bob Stoffer talks about it all the time. What was it? The last time they traded a first was 10, 12 years ago, something like that? It's
0: been a while. Um, Like outright traded a first, too, because they did swap in the Cassian deal. But like, yeah, yeah, the last time that. they dealt one at the deadline was a long, long time ago. So I'll say four go to the All-Star Game. Oilers move their first at the deadline. McDavid sweeps at the NHL Awards. He goes Lindsey Hart, Rocket, and Art Ross. That'll be a big one that we talk about. Um, I'll, I'll limp, lump in McDavid getting to 150 points in that one as well. Uh, Two more to come up with. Here's a spicy one. I was going to say this one for last. Oilers win the Western Conference. Why not? Right. Why not? We really? be talking, we got to go right? on a run here. I, talking I think yeah, I, but I, I think this team is more than capable of going on a run. They have a goalie that can steal games for them now. Like they're legit. And I think they'll go on a heater here at some point. And I need one more storyline outside of all of it. Um, Tyler and bag milk hit big in casino in Las Vegas.
1: Oh, if there's just one thing that I need, <laughs> I would love for us to hit big at the casino in January. I don't care what we're playing. Anything. Come on. Anything. Let's do it. When I'm looking ahead at 2023, I just, I hope one of the stories we're talking about is, and we've mentioned this on the Oilers Nation radio a thousand times, so if you listen to that podcast, you'll be like, yeah, you guys talk about this all the time, that this team has a greater appreciation for defense. Mm. Last night, again, there were still too many times where the Oilers were flying the zone. I don't understand why that happens. We're going to fix that problem. I feel like we're going to yes. be talking about it. Connor McDavid, I agree with. Rocket Richard trophy. I don't know where he's going to get in terms of final goal totals. But I think he's, he's going to be over 60. He's just... He's on a different planet last night. Like, even that shot, he the game winner last night against Calgary, he just buried it. Walked into the slot, took his space, ripped it past Markstrom. Again, both goals on the glove hand side. Oh, and Markstrom, keep that in your pocket for later. And then the third story I'm going to mention is that I think that there's going to be somebody that moves out of the roster that we don't necessarily expect. Like we're expecting the yes, RV trade, right? But you've got essentially 9 million bucks and three players that are just not scoring a whole lot. And I think by the time we do this show next year, Tyler, we're going to have not just yes, RV off that list of those, those three around the 9 million bucks, but either, a Warren Fogle or a Kyler Yamamoto, and I'm very much leaning towards Fogle.
0: Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all if both Fogle and Puliarvi are off the roster by this point next year. I think this summer we may see a Tyson berry trade come to fruition, just because you know maybe the Oilers want to free up some more cap space as well. Um, although with the cap maybe going up, and maybe that'll end up being a big storyline, maybe they won't have to at all. Maybe it'll be one of those things where it's like, hey, we can keep Barry Bouchard and CC as our right side for another year, and just. Keep building up the pieces around the perimeter a little bit.
1: What do you expect for the others? Have to go all in at the deadline this year, do they not?
0: Yeah, like I really, I, I, I got an itch for this Jonathan Taves trade. I think there's some, there. as well. I think there could be some sort of a deal where it's like, hey, Chicago, you're keeping half. Yep, okay, you are going to trade him to Arizona for future considerations. We are going to give Chicago our first or second round pick, Arizona. You're going to keep another 2 million bucks and you're going to get to trial Yessa Pugliarvi for the next three months. And that's going to be the deal. It'll be like Pugliarvi and one of the high picks to get Taves in this lineup at Pugliarvi's cap hit. And that'll be one big swap. And then they'll make another move to get a defenseman and probably another move for a forward on top of that. Yeah.
1: Cause I like that. I, the more I think about the Taves scenario, the more I like it because it, Gives us a situation to move Nugent Hopkins back up. Yep. Onto the wing with either
0: Connor like, or Leon. Can you imagine everyone healthy and you are running, let's say it's McDavid, Kane, and Hyman? Hyman. Your second line could be Nuge, Dry, Yamamoto. Your third line could be Fogel, McLeod, and Taves. It's a pretty good top nine. Maybe you need another scoring piece on top of that, though. Maybe they push the chips in a little bit more. I don't know. There's a I'd lot that Ken can do.
1: I'd love to see it. It's going to be interesting to see. Oh, another thing that we're going to be talking about, I think, next year is, uh, just as we wrap this up, is the salary cap. Yep. Are the owners going to forgive what remains of the debt that the players have to get the bump in the salary cap if they give them those two extra games in the regular season? It's been talked about. It's been floated. Are we talking about that later? Are we talking about an extended NHL season in 2023-24?
0: Makes sense. Knock down the amount of preseason games to four. Give the players a little something, something, and get your salary cap to go up as well. There's no way these two sides don't come to terms on something that sees the cap go up three to four and a half million dollars this this summer. It'll happen.
1: For my friends at Trilogy Oilfield Rentals again, TrilogyRentals.ca. I thank Tyler Remchak for being here with my countdown, the top ten stories of the year as it comes to uh, from OilersNation.com. Tyler, I love you, buddy. We make a lot of content together. Yes. I'm looking forward to doing more of it in 2023.
0: Love you too. Congrats on almost a year of better late than never as well. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times.
1: Bombus, Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombus.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST.
0: Roof of the saddle dome crumbling. Roof of the saddle dome crumbling. Roof of the saddle dome crumbling. You're listening to Better Late Than Never telling you to stay the fuck out of Calgary.
1: There you have it. Me and Tyler running the year down. Making a little sense of the biggest stories that we talked about at OilersNation.com in 2022. Want to thank Tyler for giving me a little bit of time supposed to be a day off for him, but it wasn't. I made him write an article today too. team Canada preview up at a weather's nation. I mostly just want to end off this podcast by saying thanks to you. Thank you to everybody that's helped me grow this podcast over the last year. Thank you to everybody that kind of sticks around with the weirdness of it. I think I'm probably just going to do a voicemail only episode just because this episode is not the normal format and I looking at my at my voicemail inbox I've got a handful of things that clearly you guys wanted to mention. So, I might just do another 15 20 minutes after we record this one, but most importantly, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to everybody that helps make me do this on a regular basis. You're keeping me to a routine that I don't know that I would have had otherwise had it not been for all of you. And I just I'm super excited that I'm able to do this and I'm super excited that people seem to like it. And I'm super excited that for whatever comes in 2023, I think that, um, there's a lot of room for this thing to grow. There's a lot of room for it to run. And I promise I'm going to have more interviews next year. Now that I've got my schedule kind of, um, how would you want to put it? Just kind of like dialed in. And I also want to thank the sponsors, the audio department, trilogy, Oilfield rentals, betway, our friends at Tourism Jasper, for they're going to be hosting us in January for that tournament. But mostly, this is all about all of you being here, supporting the podcast. We're having a little bit of fun here. It's a little bit of silly. I wanted to create something with Beatcast vibes in a podcast form that you can look forward to, at least on a weekly basis. And through the first year of its existence, Better Late Than Never has done so much better than I ever expected it to. To say that it's more than three times the size that I was expecting after its first year would be probably accurate. And I'm just very, very grateful. So I want to say thank you again from the bottom of my heart. I hope you guys are enjoying the time off. Looking forward to making more content for you in the coming days, weeks, years, months, whatever goes on. I've got the studio set up in the basement now. So I'm very much looking forward to chatting with you and hearing your feedback as well. So please keep letting me know what you like, what you don't like really, really excited about this podcast going into 2023 and just seeing where we can take it. Thank you.